I want to talk to you about everyone to be saved. I want us to look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse number 3 and verse 4. The Bible says, this is good and pleases God our Savior. Notice this, who wants, God wants all men to be saved. How many people does God want saved? Notice that all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. I want you to hear God's heart. God's heart is that every boy, every girl, every man, every woman would come to know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. No matter what they've done, no matter how bad you think they are, God wants everybody to be saved, everybody to know his son. That's his heart. And I want you to know that people's church, we have God's heart. It's our heart's desire because it's our Heavenly Father's heart's desire to see everybody saved. That's our desire as a church. We want every boy, every girl, every man, every woman to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior here in the Oklahoma City metro area, in Oklahoma, in the United States, and all across our world. We want people to know the Lord Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And we're willing to do anything short of sin to reach people for the cause of Christ because God's heart It's for everyone to be saved. And as I look at the Apostle Paul's life, can I tell you that the Apostle Paul, he was willing to do whatever it took to reach people for Christ. Can I tell you why? Because the Apostle Paul, he knew what the Father's heart was. He knew the Father's heart was that all men and women would be saved. And he was willing to do whatever it took to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Let me show this to you in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 through 23. It says, though I am free and belong to no man, Paul says, I make myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. Paul says, I do whatever it takes. He says, to the Jews, I become like a Jew. Why, why do I adjust? Why do I, why do I do whatever it takes to win the Jews? He says, to those under the, the law, I became like one under the law. He says, I, I changed. I, I had to become like one under the law. Why? So as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, he says, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. Why did he do this? So as to win those not having the law, Paul says, listen, I'm going to do whatever it takes to reach different people groups. Verse 22, to the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things. I'm going to do whatever it takes, do all, become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. I love Paul. He says, listen, I will do whatever it takes to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. And people's church, can I tell you, I don't want to ever become a church that stops doing whatever it takes. I don't want to ever become a church that we just take it easy, we high-five one another, we get on cruise control, and we forget the heart of our God, and that's that all would be saved. And because that's our God's heart and our heart's desire to do whatever it takes, we're launching a second location, and we're beginning that location this fall, and that location will be in Zimbabwe, Africa. I'm just playing. 
That new location will be in Midwest City. We're coming your way, Midwest City, Dell City. We're headed your way. We'll be meeting at the Heritage Plaza between Northeast 10th and Reno on Air Depot. We have 25,000 square foot facility there that we have a long-term lease and the option to buy it. I'll share more details with you in a few moments. But it's the movie theater there, the old movie theater in Midwest City that's been vacant since 2006. And we're starting a location there this fall to reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm pumped. I'm stoked. More lives will be changed. Let me, let me bring some of you up to speed because some of you are new to the church today. You've been coming six months, a year, maybe two years. All you know is this new facility. All, all, you don't know the journey. And what I want to do for the next few moments, I want you to kind of experience the journey that has us at this place today. We didn't just wake up one day and hear. We've been on a journey for almost nine years that God has led us on to this place, on this second location to see more changed lives. Let me just kind of bring you up to speed. Check out this video. All of us moved here in January of, of 02 and and we leased office space. The first office was kind of hilarious, really, just thinking about it. It was small, and we did everything. The Renaissance man, you know, like, they had to do the secretarial, they had to do, you know, make sure everything was ready for the weekend. We typed the letters up, sent out the letters, we, we did all, we answered the phones, and we had desks sitting all together. It's like if both of us were in the office, if one of us moved our chair, it would hit the other one. I mean, we were, we were back to back. But at the same time, it was awesome because, man, the dream was happening. And we, we had office space. I, I, I tell people this all the time. I think they think I'm being like false humility, but I, we were stupid. I was stupid. Starting a church on Mother's Day. Nobody starts a church on Mother's Day. Because everybody goes with their mom to their church. Nobody goes and tries a new church out on Mother's Day. They're, they're with family. But, but that day was uh, definitely nerve-wracking. Who's gonna show up? How's it going to work out? I came to People's Church the very first day uh, of the uh, first service that they had at the AMC Theater. There was a young guy out in the parking lot. He had a nice blazer on and slacks. And so me and my wife was thinking, okay, there's a nice guy, you know, greeting everybody as they come in. Well, that same guy was the same guy that came out to preach, and we didn't know that at the time that that was actually our pastor. I, I got up, and I, I preached his vision message. And I, I said things to churches, 65 people. I just got up and cast vision that we were going to be a church that reached the unchurched. And I said, we're going to be a church of thousands of people one day, and that God was going to bless. And... Just, just shared a message from my heart about what I, I sensed the Lord speaking in my heart about what this new church was going to be all about. I tell you what really spoke to me that that He was going to go after the lost people, the people that were far away from Christ. He was going to go after the people that just wouldn't naturally think about even coming to the church. You know, I didn't know how God was going to do it, but when He shared the vision of People's Church. I just knew, I just knew it was going to happen. There was no doubt in my mind. Uh, I, I remember on the drive home, uh, I told my wife, man, we got to be a part of that. We're going to be a part of that. Two years into the church, we, we were really um, running about four to 500 people. We, we sensed this, this burden and this 
vision to, to, to start a, go, go buy land and to build a building. And I can remember, you know, when we were getting ready to launch that, we were putting together this video. And as a part of that video, it was talking about how, like, how many salvations and you know, how many different things had happened. And I just thought, you know, wow, I can't believe that I'm a part of something that's so big. This has always been beyond us. It's always been beyond me. It's, and it was one of those times that I just felt like, wow, God, you're, you're, you're already doing it. You're already, you're so faithful in every step of the way. And we had grown uh, incredibly to hundreds of people inside of a theater. And I just seen what God had, was doing through the faithfulness of, of people inside of a theater. So when he said that we were moving to a bigger, uh, gonna build a place, Man, I just knew that, that this was all a part of God's plan. It was probably the biggest risk outside of starting the church, the biggest risk we've ever took, and to, to cast vision and to people to give generously, to buy this land and to build that first building. It was, it was quite uh, scary, but one of the most faith-building moments of, of my life and walk with Christ, watching God's provision and our, our people rise to the occasion to see more changed lives. Sometimes on Sunday mornings, I'm, I'm in the service and I'm worshiping and I'll, I'll look back at all, all of the people and it's like an aha moment, like I can't believe all these people are here worshiping at People's Church and it's an overwhelming feeling of gratitude and humility and thankfulness to God and just saying, man, God, look what you've done. The thing that makes me the most excited is that I know that this has just been the groundwork. Like this whole time has been um, a huge impact on the kingdom, but it's also just laid a foundation for what People's Church is going to do. And in my heart, when I think about it, like I just want to scream because I know that we have so much more to do in this city. And I mean, they haven't even seen, you know, what's going to happen. The future here at People's Church, I think it goes to goes back to what Herbert always says. You know, he always says the best is yet to come. Man, I just totally believe that. It's been incredible to see it, to see it happen week after week, month after month, year after year. And now almost nine years has passed that this dream has, has been happening. And um, I, I have no doubt in my mind of what God is gonna to continue to do and I can't wait to see the next chapter. A lot of people ask me, how, the, how did the church begin? How do you start a new church? Um, I, I traveled full time as, as an evangelist and um, we started the church and I, I did not take a salary from people's church. I, I traveled full time, I, I believed in this dream of, of reaching people far from God. And so there were, there were many a weeks I would preach on a Thursday and Friday, Saturday, fly back home Saturday night, preach on Sunday morning, uh, get in the car after Sunday church and drive somewhere across Oklahoma to go preach. So that, those first, that first year was very grueling and it was a huge sacrifice. I wouldn't recommend it to a lot of people. Uh, it, it, was, it was hard. It was, it was tough. But I believed in the dream. I believed in what God called us to do. And I look back at the sacrifice and all we laid on the line, our whole savings account, so God is yours. 
to reach people for God. So it was hard, but I looked back nine years later to see all the lives that have been changed. I said, God, it was worth it all. Worth every sacrifice, every penny, every airplane I had to catch, every dollar I invested to see more lives changed. So it's worth all the sacrifice. And as we do this campaign, as we launch out to start the second campus, I want you to know as you sacrifice, as we sacrifice as a church, it's worth it all because thousands of lives are going to be changed because we thought out the box. We sacrificed our dollars to make an eternal impact on hurting, desperate, broken people. Church, let's do it. The dream that everyone will be saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're moving forward. The dream just is getting going and beginning. Boy, I've watched that video four or five times and I about cry every time I watch it. Amen. Let me quickly just talk to you about why we chose Midwest City. Why we chose Midwest City. Midwest City is a great area, the Middell area, to reproduce our multicultural DNA. And I want to show you a couple of slides here. Go ahead and put slide number one up. I'll just kind of show you the demographics of the area if you're not familiar with the area. Um, there in Midwest City, you got uh, the diversity there, the Caucasian, African-American. You see the kind of breakdown. This is a 10-minute drive from the facility, so you can kind of see the breakdown. It's a very, very diverse area, even down here, two or more races. That's my kids. Amen. They even got my kids in there. Praise the Lord. Amen. There's a spot for everybody. Thank you, Jesus. Right here is a 15-minute drive from the facility. Most people are willing to drive about 15 minutes, so that's why we take church to where people are. They'll drive about 15 minutes to church, and so uh, you can see the breakdown there of the percentages of, of the area there. So it's just a very diverse area. We can go and start a di diverse church and reach a lot of people for Christ. Give me the next slide there. You can also see the population breakdown. Within a 10-minute drive, there's about 84,000 people, and you can see the, the breakdown here, about 78% are 54 and younger, and 22% 55 and older. Population here, 15-minute uh, drive from the area. Uh, you can see about 80% are 54 and younger, uh, 55 and over, about 20%. And so we're going to be able to go there and make a huge, huge impact there. Put the next slide up. Let me show you another reason why we feel like this is just God for us to go for our, our, our second location. We have about 678 people, 676 people that have visited People's Church from the Midwest City area. So these are the people who have visited People's Church in the last year from Dell City from Spencer, you see how many people, a total there of 1,219. From, from South Oklahoma City, which is I-40 and South, here's how many first-time guests over just the last year, uh, 231 from South Oklahoma City, 30, 116 from more. We've had a total uh, people that have checked out People's Church from those areas of about 1,600 people. So there's a lot of interest in this church there in Midwest City, South Oklahoma City, if we can just get a little closer, we believe we're going to make an impact to reach a lot more people for the cause of Christ. Put up the next slide. This one really encourages me that we can start the church with great momentum with a lot of our church people. Right here, this is how many regular attenders live in the area. So we have 209 people who live in Midwest City that come to People's Church. This is their church home. We have 191 people, almost 200 people in Dell City, 153 people from Spencer. We have about 553 people that live in that area. In South Oklahoma City, I-40 and South, 
you can see that there are 290 people that, uh, that this is their church home that, that are south of I-40. And that's a grand total of 843 people in the Mid-Dell Spencer area and south of I-40. And what that lets me know is that we're going to be able to start this church day one with about four to 500 of our regular attenders that are going to be able to go and help us serve, reach out, and be the arms and legs of Jesus Christ there at that new facility. That's not counting. We believe we'll start it with probably 300 or so from the area as well, somewhere around 800 to 1,000 people. We believe day one will start at this new location as we're doing outreach. We got an outreach plan in Midwest City in May. We're, we're going to be doing things to, to let people know we're there and we love them. So we're excited that we're going to be able to start a church and our church families already represented there in a great way. So get ready, Midwest City. Here we come. Here we come. Let me ask you this question. I want to answer this question. You say, Herbert, 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 why are we starting a second location and one day in the near future, a third location, a fourth location, a fifth location, a sixth location, a seventh location? Why, why are we doing this? The first reason I want to share with you and just kind of educate you, bring you up to speed, is, is God is using multi, multi-site churches. God is using multi-site churches to reach people who are far from God. I want to give you a book to read, all of my readers, all of you that are interested in in what we're doing, want to learn even more about it. There's a book called Multi-Site Church Roadmap. Multi-Site Church Roadmap by Jeff Surratt that will talk to you a whole lot about the multi-site model that God is using. Listen to this real quick. I want you to catch this. On a typical Sunday in 2009, some 5 million people, almost 10% of Protestant worshipers, attend a multi-site church in the U.S. or Canada. And that was in 2009, and that number has grown uh, quite a bit since 2009. But God is using the multi-site churches to reach people. At least 47 U.S. states and Canada's four largest provinces have congregations that are one church in multiple locations, at least 47 states here in America. God is using the multi-site movement. This is really interesting. Almost 50% of mega churches, that's churches 2,000 and over, there's about 1,300 of those churches in the United States of America. And about 50% of those churches reported being multi-site in 2008. And that number has grown. I've seen some statistics even up to around 60%. But to be conservative, almost 50% of churches 2,000 and over are multi-site and God is using them to reach masses masses of people through this model. Let me just show you some of the churches because maybe you have a stereotype in your mind of how God is using this. God is using all types of people, all types of skin colors, all types of demographics in the multi-site model to reach people for God. Check out this. Show, show that first picture. This is a pastor. He's in Indian, Indianapolis, uh, in Indiana. That He has uh, three campuses, and their attendance is around 10,000 people. I know you thought only multi-site churches wore jeans and a shirt. Oh, no, you can wear a tie, brother. Amen, and be multi-site. How about that? Come on, show me the next one. Andy Stanley and North Point uh, Church in Alfreda, Georgia, just outside of Atlanta. They're a multi-site church. They have three campuses, and they run around 24,000 people. We've been to their conference several times. The next church, God is using all types of churches in all different types of locations. This is Greg Surratt. He's in Charleston, South Carolina. I know Greg personally. He's spoken into my life. Matter of fact, I'm going to be at a conference this week speaking, and Greg's going to be one of the speakers there as well. That church is called Seacoast Church. They got 12 campuses, and they run around 10,000 people there, and they're 
churches are all throughout the state of South Carolina. The next one, please. This is the Word Church. We watch him some on television. My wife and I, R.A. Vernon. He's out in Cleveland, Ohio area, Akron. He has four campuses. He teaches live at one of them and then three video campuses. And they run about 19,000 people there in Cleveland, Ohio. The next one, Elevation Church. We know Stephen Furtick personally, him and his wife, Holly. Elevation Church. They're in Charlotte, North Carolina. They have four campuses and they run between 6,500 to 8,000 people there in Charlotte, making a huge difference for God. Father's House. This is a good friend of mine. Oh, Pierre, you can put the next one up. Pierre Duplessis is the Father's House. We texted this morning back and forth already. He's in Rochester, New York. They have three locations, and I talked to Pierre uh, a couple of weeks ago. They're getting ready to start a fourth location, and they run over 4,000 people there in the Rochester, New York area. I've actually preached in their church uh, before. Uh, The next picture is New Life Church. They have two campuses. They run about uh, between five to 700 people, and they are in Oregon, and Scott is making a huge impact there uh, on the West Coast. And the next picture is Bishop T.D. Jakes, the Potter's House in Dallas, Texas. They have three campuses there, uh, Bishop Jakes does, and they uh, run about 20,000 people, 20 to 30,000 people there. And so God is using the multi-site model in incredible, incredible in ways. God is just breathing upon it in special ways. And, and you say, Herbert, why are we starting a, a second location, a third, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, a seventh, an eighth, tenth, twenty location? Why, why are we doing that? I want to give you a second point. We are a sacrificing church in your notes. We are a sacrificing church. I want to share three points with you under point two. The first one is this. At People's Church, we sacrifice methods to reach people. We sacrifice methods to reach people people. Can I tell you, that's what Paul did. Look at this with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 20. He says, to the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. He says, listen, I had to switch up my methods to reach the Jews, but I became like them to reach them. He says, to those under the law, I became like one under the law. I had to switch up my methods to reach this people group under the law. He goes on and says, to, to the weak, I, I, I switched up my methods and I, I, I was, became like the weak to, to reach them. Here's what I want you to catch about Paul. Paul said, listen, I don't get wrapped up in methods. I adjust my methods in order to reach people. And can I tell you, in the church of Jesus Christ, you and I have a habit of falling in love with the methods. We, we, we can make the methods sacred. And we can fall in love with the methods, even when the methods aren't effective and they're not reaching people for Christ, they're not discipling people. We won't change our methods because we easily fall in love with the methods. And they become so, so sacred. I I think about my upbringing and many of you as well, you know, uh, know, church, to have a move of God in church, you got to have a choir and with robes. And I'm not against choirs. I love choirs. But it, it's, it's a method, you know what I mean? The Bible does not say, thou wish to have a movist of goddess in the King James Version. It's, you got to have a choir. That... <laughs> now, I like all that. I like all of it. But, 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 but that, that's a method. There is no scripture that says that's how you reach people. That's just a, a method. You know, you, you go, go to some churches and it's the white glove church. You know, all the ushers wear white gloves. I'm not sure what that really stands for, but, but it's cool with me. It's a method. I'm great. Maybe the ushers are more holy. Amen. We're white gloves. Purity. I don't know why, but white gloves. But that, 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 that's not in the Bible anywhere. That's just a method that, that churches use and, and sometimes can fall in love with. You know, I, I, I've been to churches before where, where all the first-time guests, you have to stand up and... and, and 
want to welcome all of our first-time guests. If you're a guest today, would you stand up? And a lot of times in smaller church, everybody's looking at you. I mean, we know you're a guest. Huh? And some of y'all like this. See, I, I don't like that. I don't want to stand up. But some of y'all, you like, ooh, this is my time. You stand up. I want to give honor and glory to God. I want to give honor to the pastor, to the first lady, to the bishop, to the deacon. I want to give honor and glory to God. God has been good to me. I want to give a testimony to God. Would you hush up? That's why the service is four hours long already. Hush up so we can go. We don't want to hear your testimony. That's just a method. That you don't find that in the Bible. I have all the first-time guests there. That's not in the Bible anywhere. That's just a method. What, we're not going to have a choir. You're going to stop standing first-time guests up. God can't move. That's a method. It's a method. And one church that I went to in, in Arkansas when I was in college, they had a salvation chair. Seriously. So you want to get saved? The deacon would come at the end of the service. He'd put out the chair. Huh? Anybody want to come give the life to the Lord today? You come sit in the chair today. Come on, God wants to save you. Watch me. Come sit in the chair. Now, you couldn't get saved to sit in that chair. Amen. The chair was important. And I, I'm all about the chair. If you want to have a salvation chair, that's good with me. But you can't find that in the Bible. It's just a method. It's a method. But we fall in love with our methods. I, I called Shelby yesterday because he, man, he gave me some good tradition in, in, in churches. He said, oh, Herbert, here's, here's one. A good tradition that we have is it, it's, it's the Baptist tip. He said, in Baptist churches, if you want to leave the service, go pick up your baby, you got to put up your right hand, put your finger up. He said, now, I don't know what that means, but if you want to leave, that's what you got to do, the Baptist tip. Now, you can't find that in the Bible. It's not in there. It's a message. And we fall in love with our, our methods, you know, the hymn book. I love hymns. I like to sing hymns. We sing hymns from time to time in this church, but, but you can't find it where the Bible says, thou was singest out of hymn book. It's not in there. And I'm all about the hymn book, but it's a method. It's, a me- it's not in the Bible. It's a method. And we fall in love with our methods. And Jesus addressed this in Mark chapter 7, verse 8 through 9. He says, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. God, help us. Help us that we don't start putting our traditions over your word. And he said to them, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God. In order to observe your own traditions. Well, I, I know the Bible says love God, but right now I'm mad about the color of the carpet. I ain't loving God or loving you. No, no, you, you, you're, you're observing your tradition. And we start putting tradition over what God's word says. To reach people, to love people, to disciple people. And as your pastor, I want you to know this. I don't want us to ever fall so in love with the method. That we fall in love with it and we put it above God's command to reach people to disciple people, and to reach our world. And let me tell you something. Methods have to change. We live in a changing world. Whether you like it or not, the world is changing. And the message never changes. But our methods have to change to adjust and to reach our culture. The message, the scripture, the Holy Bible, it's inspired of God, teaching and preaching of the scriptures. That never changes. But we have to change our methods to reach people, to connect with our culture. Listen to me. I'm glad today that we don't use overhead projectors. There's nothing wrong with overhead projectors. As a matter of fact, here's the truth. I thought about this as I was studying, that if we use overhead projectors, some of y'all wouldn't even come to our church. And you sure wouldn't invite your friends. Because you would think, what's wrong with the church? Big old church. Not, that's the church. I'm point number two, and somebody's over there right now putting an overhead projector on it right now. Come, you, would, you wouldn't come back. 
Because methods have changed. That's a great method. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not in the Bible. It doesn't say use an overhead projector or it doesn't say have a projector in the sky. There's nothing in the Bible. It's just a method. But culture has changed and we've adjusted with the methods to reach people and to connect with culture. There, there, there are pastors who have been preaching against Facebook and Twitter. Don't you Facebook, don't you Twitter. It's of the devil. Don't you have a Facebook account? It's the devil. And you can preach it, but sooner or later you have to wake up and realize that's where culture is. And, 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 and it's not of the devil. It's neutral. How people use it can be of the devil, but I use it and I put scripture on there. I encourage you on there. I And we can fight it. Well, no, no, we don't gonna have no faith. It's of the devil. Well, okay, only way, if you want to minister to your church and just mail out letters, 44 cents, bless you. I'm gonna use Facebook. It's free. It's free. Tree. And, and culture has changed. You can fight against it. You can get mad at it. You can put your finger up and say, ah, we're not going to do that. But culture has changed. And we're called to reach people right where they are. So we're starting this second location. I'm going to be teaching live here, as I already do, and that's going to be a video venue there. My teaching will be there via video. Everything else will be exactly the same as you see it here. Our kids' ministry, our youth ministry, we'll have pastors over there, live worship. But I'll be teaching via video. And don't get hung up on video. All video is 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 a method. It's a tool to reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. The message never changes, but the methods do so that we can connect and reach our society with the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's something else that we sacrifice. Number two is this. We sacrifice for those who are not here yet, who are not here yet. First Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 19 says, though I am free And belong to no man. I want you to see Paul. He says, I make myself a slave to everyone. I'm sacrificing. I make myself a slave to everyone. Why? To win as many as possible. Paul said, I'm sacrificing for people who aren't saved yet. I'm sacrificing. I'm making myself a slave for people who don't know Jesus yet. Let me say this to you. Please hear me. I want to speak to people that have been here a year and two, five Some of you, the the almost entire nine-year journey you've been here, this church has always been about sacrificing for people who are not here yet. And I want to thank you, and I want to commend you. Back in the theater days, running four or 500 people, some of you were there. We're casting vision about buying this land and building and building. Here I am, 27 years old, 28 years old, and and new pastor and, and I mean, come on, do we really trust this guy? Does this guy know what he's doing? I mean, do, is God really, I mean, and you bought into it. And you sacrificed your time, your dollars, your energy, you served, you gave, and we bought this land here and built the first building. And we grew to 15, 16, 1,700 people. And we say, you know what, church, we're, we're, not, we're, not, we're not done yet. There's more. There's more people to reach. There's a city to impact. I mean, listen, we could cruise control. We can high-five, belly bump, and take it easy. God's blessed. But there's more to do. And you know what we did? We sacrificed again. People weren't here yet. We didn't see them yet. We didn't know how it was going to all work out. But we sacrificed, and we gave, and we served, we prayed, we sweat, we gave everything that we had, and we built this second facility. And we've grown, and last year was the fourth fastest growing church in America, and that represents to me more changed lives. And God blessed because you were willing to sacrifice for people who were not here yet. And can I tell you something about this church? We're going to always sacrifice for people who are not here yet. Can I tell you what the easiest thing to do would be? It'd be easy to take it easy, to take it easy right now. 
Can I tell you what? For me, it'd be really easy just to say, hey, we got a big church. God's blessed. Let's just rest. Let's just, let's just hang out. But when I look at the Father's heart, that he wants all men to be saved, how can I justify hanging out with just us and saying, let's take it easy? Because, listen, I'm not impressed and God's not impressed by how many are in the church building. What he's looking at is how many aren't in the building yet. And so we sacrifice for those who are not here yet. Number three is this. There's a, there's a third one. There's a third one that I want you to see is we sacrifice our wants for God's wants. I want you to see Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22. He says, to the weak, I became weak to win the weak. He says, I become all things. Can I tell you, that's a sacrifice. That's giving up some of your wants. I've become all things to all men. Why? What's the motivation? What's the drive? So that by all possible means, I might save some. Paul knew that God's heart was for everybody to be saved. And Paul, what I love about him, is he was willing to do whatever it took. He was willing to sacrifice his own wants. As a Jewish boy, he was going to minister to the Gentiles. He was going to minister to the weak. He was going to become all things to all people so that some would be saved. And people's church, I want you to know something about this church is we give up our wants for what God wants. And you know what we all have a tendency to do? We all have a tendency to be selfish, including your pastor. Because you know what I would want? You know what I want? I want to preach one service on Sundays instead of four and go home and eat some hamburgers. Amen. That's what I want. That's what I want. I don't want to preach four every week. That's not about what I want. It's about reaching people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Pastor, listen, I don't, I don't want to grow anymore, Pastor. I'm, I'm tired of growing. And when did it become about what we wanted instead of what our Heavenly Father wants? And we get selfish. Pastor, Pastor, you know, I, I, I don't want to change anymore. The church is always changing. I, just don't, I don't want the church to change and reach more people. Let's just stay the same. And when did it become all about us? And somehow we start thinking church was just here for us. But listen, we are the church, and we're here for the world. We're to reach people, disciple people, see them set free, see their lives change. It's not all about us. Pastor, I don't want to watch no video. I ain't going to watch no video. I'll just hush up. Amen. Because there are some people full of vision in this place. They want to reach people. They want to they connect with culture. They want to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ, not hung up on the method because we get hung up on the method and we miss out on what God wants, and that's to reach hurting and lost and broken humanity. I know some of you are thinking, well, Pastor, I want to go back to the good old days. I remember the good old days back in the movie theater. We just, it was just us, and we had a good old time in the movie theater. Well, listen, I'm taking you back to the movie theater in, in Midwest City. Amen. I there's something here for all of you. I want something for all of you today, amen. Going over to Midwest City, praise the Lord. Join my wife and kids and over in Midwest City and make a difference for Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, we give up what we want for what God wants. And some of you right now, your closed mind, closed mentality, your narrow thinking, you got to say, you know what? It's not about me. There are people who don't know Jesus Christ. And why would I hinder them for, for what I want? Versus for what God wants, for more lives to be changed. Let me quickly put, show you the building picture. Put up the building picture there in Midwest City. 
Let me show you this building here. This is the outside of the building there at Heritage Park Plaza. We're going to hand some information out to you in a few minutes. So you want to get that information, we'll have the location of the new facility. Uh, it's a nice outside facility. Show the uh, next picture there. This, this, this sign belongs to us as well. Uh, we're going to, of course, change that out and put People's Church. Uh, probably try to do a lit sign out here on the road. It's right on the road there uh, so people can connect and see that we're uh, church is coming. People's Church is there. The next picture is the floor plan. And you can see the floor plan there. Tonight, if you come to the prayer meeting tonight, come tonight at 6, and you're going to be able to walk through the facility. Uh, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because I want you to come tonight. But down here is our zero to four-year kids area. Here is about a 475-seat auditorium there. This is the main entrance, the entrance right here. Here's the lobby area, coffee area, restrooms here. Uh, hallway there to the auditorium and then right here is a junior high room where we'll have our junior high experiences on Sunday and then here is our uh, our 5 to 12 year old area in these in these rooms here uh, right here is overflow areas here that we're going to we're not building out right away but we will build out here in the near future, this is an overflow auditorium, a 250-seat auditorium that we can bust the wall out here and turn this 475 into about 700 seats or so. And then there's an overflow kids area. As we continue to grow, we can turn this into multiple classrooms as well. So we got plenty of space to be able to grow and to reach people for Jesus Christ. And I want to share with you about how God opened this door. Listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. This will blow you away. We, we went to the owners of this building and said, hey, we, we, we'd like to get this facility and we'd like to, to be able to have it, to be able to have church. And would you give us the first two years free in the facility? We thought we'd just ask. Hey, all you can say is no. Huh? They said, well, we'll do that. So we got the first two years free. We only have to pay the common maintenance and, and the insurance. That's it. Two for two years free. Then we came back. We came back. We came back. Because, hey, all you can tell us is no. So we said, well... Can we have the first six months just absolutely free where we don't have to pay the insurance or common maintenance? You'll take care of that. We don't have to mess with that. You would take care of the first six months while we renovate? Okay, we'll do that too. And so we don't, the first six months while we renovate, we have no, nothing at all. Not even insurance, common maintenance. We have, we have nothing at all. And then we came back and said, okay, we'd like a long-term lease. So we have a 15-year lease. And we said, but hey, we'd like options to get out of it. And so anybody in business, you know, you know you're going to give all this stuff free. You got to lock somebody in and get your money back. But, but we got a 15-year lease, and every five years we have an option to get out of the lease without any penalties at all. And, and here's the deal. See, we could easily try to, try to build a 5,000-seat auditorium and spend 5 to $10 million in a couple of years of time. But with this location, it's going to take us about until about August to get the place renovated and to be able to move in there. And instead of spending $10 million, we're going to spend about $1.5 million to renovate the facility, put all the lights out. It's just smart financially. It's a smart financial decision to go reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. And here's the, here's the kicker. Here's the kicker for all you business-minded people. Here's the kicker to it. You say, come on, there's got to be something. There's got to be a, come on, you're holding the ace back on us. Come on now, tell us. No, no not at all. Matter of fact, in year three, we pay, we start paying a dollar per square foot in year three. In year 11 through 15, the highest our lease would go up to is $5 a square foot in year 11. I'm not talking about it right now, in 11 years from now. Friends, can I tell you that that space today, in this economy today, is leasing between $9 and $11 a square foot. And the worst we will pay is $5 a square foot. I think God showed up on our behalf. Amen. I think God has helped us. I think God has helped us. Hallelujah. 
I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. And, and can I tell you, here's our ultimate goal is we would like to buy that facility. There's 77,000 square feet. There's 20 tenants leasing out space at that place. Uh, and we're one of those tenants. But we can buy, we got a, in our lease agreement that we can buy that facility for $3 million, 77,000 square feet, a parking lot of about 500 parking spaces for $3 million. That's way under market value. So if you feel the Holy Ghost today, amen. I want to buy it. I want to buy it. I want to own it. Amen. I want them tenants to pay into the kingdom. Praise the Lord. And reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Come on. We got vision around this place. Amen. What do you put up the commitment card? You say, Pastor, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? What do we need to do? Let me talk to you over the next few minutes. For all of our regular attenders, here's what we need to do. We're having a a one-year faith goal. So the crazy campaign's over. And now we're making, going to make one-year commitments to, to, to this dream so that we can get this facility renovated and move in. But here's the first thing. If you're not a tither and you go to this church, this is your church home, that's the first step. If you're not a consistent tither, you don't tithe on a regular basis, would you be consistent in returning the tithe so that we can reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You don't even need to worry about this whole dream and giving above. You just need to right now say, I'm going to be committed to tithe and return the tithe to the Lord, his first fruits. That, that, that's, that, that's the beginning step of, of, of giving is returning the tithe to the Lord. Now I want to talk to all of our tithers. If you're a tither, this is, this is for you. So would all of our tithers begin to pray and seek the Lord about what you can do over the next year over and above your tithe so that we can renovate this facility, get the light, sound, audio, visual in there. And that's what this box is for, to let us know the amount that you can give over the next year. And we'll make this decision on April 17th. Here's another very important part. Uh, I'm going to hand this information out to you in just a few moments. But down here are the different kinds of gifts that we need to to meet the $1.5 million goal. Two gifts of $100,000, three gifts of $50,000, five gifts of uh, $25,000, ten gifts of $10,000, 14 of $75,000, all the way down to 300 gifts of $500. And would you begin to pray? And we need everybody to, if everybody will do their part, this is easy. Matter of fact, if we all step out in faith, we can knock this out on the first Sunday. I'm talking about faith. Amen in Jesus' name. And here's what we need you to do. Here's what we need you to do. Here's what your pastor's doing. Here's what we need you to do as a church. On April the 17th, would you bring your best gift? We're taking a miracle offering. Because here's the deal. We want to move into this space this fall which means we need to do all the renovations now, all the lights sound. I mean, we need to get it all done in the next several months, but we need to have the resources to be able to do that. So I'm asking you, would you bring your best gift? If you can play your faith goal, if you can bring all of it day one, would you do that on April 17th? If you can bring half of it, that's what my wife and I are doing. Listen, I want you to know something. We always lead out by example. Always. Always. We're giving thousands and thousands of dollars to this. We gave thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to the crazy campaign. We gave thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to the Because campaign. We, we sacrifice. We give. We want to see this dream happen to reach more people. And so on April the 17th, my wife and I are coming with a miracle check. We're coming with half of our, our, our faith goal, and we're going to bring it so that we can get that facility done so we can reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Ushers, would you begin to hand out the information to people so they can have the information? As while, they, while they hand out the information to you, let me cover a couple of things with you. On the back of this brochure that you're going to be getting, you're going to get a brochure. Uh, There's going to be a calendar on the back. Now, on the inside of the brochure, there's the location to the new facility so that you can come tonight at 6 o'clock and begin to pray with us and seek the Lord. And so on, on April the 9th, there's going to be a dream dinner for all of our leaders. If you're a leader here, you serve in ministry, a financial leader. You're, you're a leader in this church. Would you plan on coming this Saturday night? And here's how you can help us because we are providing dinner for you. 
In the back of the seat pockets is the dream card. Please listen to these details. If you're going to be at that dinner, we need to know a head count. You're one of our leaders here, and you're going to come to the dinner, and we're going to have a great time of worship and seeking God and eating and laughing and fellowship. And those who would want to are going to be able to make a commitment, a a preliminary commitment to the dream. And so if you're going to be at that, there's a place for you to check. I'm RSVPing for the leadership dinner. The ushers will be at the door today with the buckets. Just drop this in the buckets so we can know that you're coming. Some of you may be interested in attending the New People's Church location. There's a spot for you to check on that. Some of you may say, Pastor, I'm interested in serving at the New Midwest City location. There's a spot for you to check on there as well. Church, the dream continues. We're just getting started. There are more lives that are going to be changed. As the ushers are passing those out, let's pray.